over my 59 years of living, I've met many people who have had all kinds of dreams. And yet at the same time, I've met very few people who have turned their dreams into reality. They leave them on the table. They never accomplish them. They never do what they dreamed to do or what they believe their calling is. So why is it? Why are there so many people today who have dreams, who believe that God has called them to do something, and yet they never do it? Last week we began a journey through the book of Exodus looking at how God's people were brought out of slavery to the promised land. And last week we discovered that God's people had gotten comfortable in Egypt. They had gotten married. They had kids, they had grandkids, and, and even great-grandkids. And to be honest, they were enjoying the fruits of Egypt. And let's be honest, there were a lot of things in Egypt for the people of God to enjoy. But even so, Egypt was not their home. You see, God had something better for them. And the truth is, the people of God in Egypt are much like us today. We can get comfortable living in a fallen world. If we look at this world, there are many things in this world that are enjoyable. There are many things in this world that are pleasing to the eye. There are many things in this world that, that bring us happiness. But as believers, we know that God has something better for us. This world is not our home. We also discovered that there came a day when Egypt enslaved God's people. And eventually, Egypt tried to destroy God's people. And the same is true with us today. You see, the Bible says that the God of this world wants to kill, steal, and destroy. The God of this world may promise us freedom. The God of this world may tell us that he can give us satisfaction and joy. But in the end, the God of this world has one aim, one desire, and that is to destroy our lives. But there came a point in the lives of the people of God where they got desperate. And when they got desperate, they cried out to God. And the Bible says that God heard their cry. God heard their prayer. And God raised up a deliverer. And that deliverer's name was Moses. Now Moses was a, a Hebrew baby that was miraculously saved and adopted into Pharaoh's family, the ruler of Egypt. Many people tell us that, that Moses was being groomed to be the next Pharaoh. But when he grew up and he saw the plight, the slavery of his people, instead of crying out to God and asking God, what should I do? He took matters into his own hands. He killed an Egyptian taskmaster, an Egyptian slave driver. And because of that, he had to go on the run into the land of Midian. And he lived there for 40 years as a shepherd. And that brings us to our story we want to look at this morning. Exodus chapter 3, if you got your Bibles, beginning in verse 1. Listen to what it says. One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the, the priest of Midian. 
He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why is it the bush burning up, burning up? I must go and see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Moses heard this. He covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites now live. Look. The cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. Now it's been 40 years since Moses had fled Egypt. He's gotten married, he's had a couple of sons, and he's working for his father-in-law as a shepherd tending his father-in-law's sheep. And one day he is taking care of the sheep and he takes them into the Sinai Peninsula to the mountain of God. Many people believe that this mountain of God is the same place where Moses received the Ten Commandments. It was there that he saw this burning bush and he saw the angel of the Lord. And can you imagine? You see a bush that is burning and it doesn't burn up. And so Moses is curious. He, he goes closer, and as he does, the Lord sees him and speaks to him from that burning bush. Now, most people say that the angel of the Lord, that word angel simply means messenger. The messenger of the Lord and the Lord is the same person here. And it is none other than Jesus Christ. This is a theophany. This is a picture of Jesus Christ before he came to earth. And he spoke to Moses from that burning bush. And notice what he said. He said, take off your sandals because you are on holy ground. You see, God is a holy God and we are sinful people. And we can never approach God on our own merit. And we can never approach God with a casual attitude. And notice Moses' response. Moses was afraid. He wouldn't even look at God. Now listen very carefully. I've said this many times before, but we need to hear this. We are living in a generation today that I believe is different than any generation before us. And when I say a generation, I'm speaking of my generation and everyone who is younger than I am. We have become casual with God. 
We believe that we can go to God as our main man. We can go to God as our number one buddy. But you need to understand that when Moses came into the presence of God, he was absolutely afraid. His very first response was fear. And then he realized who God was and how much God loved him. And that fear changed to love. I'm here to tell you this morning that when we really do encounter the living God, the God of all creation, we will not respond to him casually. We will respond to him in fear because we recognize that he is a holy God. But then comes the call. God says to Moses, I am sending you to deliver my people. And as we read this, we think this is Moses. And this is an unusual experience with God, unlike anything that any of us will experience today. But I want you to know that I believe with all my heart that every follower of Christ has a burning bush experience just like Moses, where he calls us in his family and then calls us into his plan. Let me say that again. Every Christ follower has a burning bush experience where God calls us into his family and then he calls us into his plan. First of all, he calls us into his family. He calls us to, to leave behind our old life. He calls us to leave behind our sin and follow him. And, and as he does, our first response is fear. Because we're a sinful God and are sinful people and he is a holy God. But then our fear turns to repentance and it turns to faith and it turns to trust and it turns to love. And our lives are changed. Every Christ follower has that burning bush experience. Ours may look different than Moses, but we have the same experience. But then we also have the same experience where we are called to be a part of his plan. Don't miss this. You see, the Bible makes it clear that if you are a Christian this morning, if you are a follower of Jesus this morning, God has called you to be a part of his plan to redeem the world. You see, the Bible tells us that the world is enslaved to the power of sin. And when we become followers of Jesus, God calls us to go into the world and deliver, redeem those who are caught up in sin. Now, some of us may be called to be pastors. Some of us may be called to be teachers. Some of us may be called to evangelists. Some of us may be called to, to be missionaries. But every single one of us is called to be a witness. We are called to go into the world and share with the world the Savior of the world. That Jesus is our only hope. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one, absolutely no one, can come to the Father except through Him. That's why we are, we are focusing on our one this year. Because we're called to be witnesses just like Moses. That's why we are prayer walking our neighborhoods and our streets this year. Because we are called to be witnesses 
just like Moses. But here's the problem. Many of us say no. I would dare say that most of us say no. Some of us say no because of our carnality, our, our sin, our, our selfishness. There is sin that is ruling our life, or we are selfish and, and we're afraid to step out and tell someone about Jesus because of how that may affect us. But here's what I believe. The majority of us in here this morning, the reason that we're not out there telling people about Jesus is not because of our sin. It's not because of our carnality. It's because of our insecurities. You see, we look at our flaws, we look at our failures, we look at our inadequacies, and we say, God could, could never use me. That's what Moses said. Listen to what Moses said in Exodus 3, verse 11. But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Listen to how the today's English version translates that verse. But Moses said to God, I am a nobody. Did you hear that? Moses. Great Moses. The one who received the law. The one who delivered God's people out of slavery. Here was Moses, the prince of Egypt, who was saying, I am a nobody. How can I go to the king and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? You see, insecurity tells me I am a nobody. I, I can never do anything significant. God can't use me. Insecurity is that, that inside voice that whispers to you, I'm not filling the blanks enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not funny enough. I'm not, I'm not whatever enough. You can fill in the blanks. And here was Moses. Moses was 80 years old. He had spent the last 40 years tending his father-in-law's sheep as a shepherd. Let me just say to you, that doesn't seem like the resume of a future deliverer, does it? And yet God isn't looking for a resume. God never has, and God never will. You see, God astounds us. And we think God is looking for the smartest, the strongest, the best. And yet what God is oftentimes looking for are those people who feel the least adequate because it's in our inadequacies that God receives the glory and the honor. Now, there were three flawed thoughts that led Moses to his insecurity. First, he, he said, I'm not spiritual enough, verse 13. But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? Moses said, God, I don't even know your name. How am I going to go to your people and tell them you have told me to deliver them when I don't even know who you are? Much less, how am I going to go to Pharaoh, the most powerful man on the planet, and tell him that you told me to let his people go when I don't even know who you are? You see, what Moses was saying is, God, 
I don't even know if I know you. How am I going to introduce you to other people? There are some of you here this morning who are struggling with that right now. You look at your testimony and, and what God has done in your life and you compare your testimony to the testimony of other people who have had these dramatic life-changing experiences and, and you go, I've never had anything happen to me like that. I, I, my testimony isn't like that. Have I even been saved? And we hear people give their testimonies about, you know, I was a drug addict and, and I got saved and I never wanted to use drugs again or I was an alcoholic and I got saved and I never wanted to drink a drop of alcohol again or I was a, I was a porn addict and I got saved and I never wanted to look at porn again. And you're sitting there going, man, I thought Jesus saved me, but I struggled with alcohol and I still do. Or I struggled with porn and I don't want to look at it, but boy, I am so tempted with that still. And we wonder, has God even saved me? Or maybe it's your prayer life. And, and, and you feel pretty good about your prayer life because you started having a daily quiet time where you're trying to pray for your one. You're spending a, a few minutes every day in prayer and you go to your life group. And in your life group, there's somebody, that one person in your life group that stands up and tells you about their sweet hour of prayer. And you're going, sweet hour of prayer? Hour? You know, I've got a minute or two of prayer, and I thought I was doing good, and, and we begin to feel inadequate, don't we? Or, or we start having a, a daily time where we're, we're reading the Bible, and we go, I'm going to read through the Bible, and we start it. And we're doing really good for a week or two. And then we, we fall off the wagon, don't we? Has that ever happened to you? I mean, you said at the first of the year, man, I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to learn God's Word. I'm going to get systematic in it. And you start off strong. But then you, you end up just giving up. I'm not spiritual enough. That's what a lot of people think. But what we need to understand is God isn't looking for the most spiritual people. I mean, if I had to be spiritual enough for God to use me, God wouldn't use anybody. Amen? I mean, think about it. Peter was a fisherman that cussed, wanted to beat everybody up he saw, was always putting his foot in his mouth, and God used him to lead the church in Jerusalem. The Apostle Paul, he was a self-righteous Pharisee. God used him as a missionary to change the world. David, man after God's own heart, struggled with sexual sin. I mean, we could go on and on and on. Don't think that you've got to be spiritually perfect for God to use you. God is just looking for someone who says, God, use me. I want to be used. Next, Moses said, well, well I'm not believable. Verse 1 of chapter 4, it says this, but Moses protested again. What if, what if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Moses said, they're not going to believe me. Nobody will listen to me. I don't have credibility. Now, there are a lot of reasons that Moses could feel that way, but I believe the reason that Moses felt that way was because of his past. I can hear him now. Remember, God, I, I tried to do this before. Remember 40 years ago when I tried to do this? I mean, it didn't turn out too good. 
I mean, why do you think God is going to turn out any better right now? And don't forget, God, I'm a murderer. There are people that are alive that are going to remember what I did. God, do you really think that they're going to listen to me? Can I be transparent? I mean, I've struggled with this. Because I was, I was raised in, I mean, I was raised in the best home possible. My mom and dad both loved Jesus. I, I was raised in a church where the Word of God was taught, and, and I learned the Bible at an early age. I learned how to pray at an early age. I gave my life to Jesus as a young boy, and I was really saved. But as a teenager, I turned my back on God. And I didn't, I didn't say I didn't believe in Him. I didn't say I didn't love Him. But I got to tell you, I wasn't living for Him at all. I mean, my life, was a horrible testimony of the life-changing power of Jesus. I didn't look changed at all. And then one day in college, I, I had that burning bush experience where God just got a hold of my life and, and he called me. And I struggled. God, how can you ever use me? I mean, look at how I live. I mean, I had the best of the Christian world. And, and I turn my back on you. God, how can you use me? Nobody is going to believe me. And then third, Moses said, I'm not capable. Chapter 4, verse 10. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, O Lord, I'm not very good with words. I've never been, and I'm not now. And even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. Moses said, God, I'm just not gifted. I don't have the abilities other people have. I'm broken, I'm flawed. Now here's what you need to understand. We all are. We're all broken. We're all flawed. For some of us, our flaws, our imperfections are easily seen. They're on the surface where everybody sees them. For others of us, our flaws, our imperfections, our failures, they're more inside. We know they're there. But nobody else may not know they're there. For Moses, his flaw, his imperfection was a speech impediment. We don't know what exactly that entailed. We don't know how bad it was. But it was big enough that Moses felt like he couldn't be used of God. And every time he opened his mouth, he was reminded of this flaw. And his insecurities came bubbling up to the surface. I don't know how many of you watch America's Got Talent, but... But about two weeks ago, there was this blind autistic guy on there. And his mother came out with him before he played the piano and began singing. And it was one of those things where, you know, it was obvious that he couldn't see. He was blind. But, but it was also obvious that he had other things going on. And you're going, oh, my. I hope the judges are kind to him. I hope the judges are not. Simon Cowell was one of the judges. And you know, he doesn't hold back. But then the, the guy got to the piano and started playing, started singing. And he wowed everybody. Here's the thing. We sit back and we look at our flaws and we allow those flaws to keep us from stepping out and trusting God and asking God to use us. When God says, I want you to just trust me. And if you do, I will use you to change 
the world. So here's Moses, called by God to deliver God's people, but, but his insecurities are keeping him from trusting God and stepping out in faith and doing what God's telling him to do. So finally, in verse 13 of chapter 4, Moses pleads with God, and this is what he says. He said, Lord, please send anyone else. Lord, I don't want to go. Anybody, send anybody else. I don't want to do it. I can't do it. I've got too many flaws, too many failures. Anybody would be better than me. Now, God is a patient God. But do you know that even God's patience wears thin at times? In, in verse 14, it says, The Lord's anger burned against Moses. Now, why? Was God angry because if Moses didn't step up to the plate, his plan would go unfulfilled? Absolutely not. I mean, God doesn't need you or you or you or you. God doesn't need me to accomplish his plan. He's God. God can do anything he wants to do. You see, it's not about God's plan being thwarted for the world, it will happen. But it's about God's plan being thwarted in your life. You see, God has a plan for you. And when we allow our insecurities to keep us from stepping out and trusting God and going into the world like God has called us to, God will get angry, not because the world will miss out, but because we miss out. So there are three truths we need to remember. As Moses shared all of his insecurities, God reminded Moses of three things. Three things we need to be reminded of. First of all, I made you. So as you're going through your insecurity, you need to be reminded that God made me. When Moses said, God, I can't speak, I've got problems, notice what God said in verse 11. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, this is a difficult verse. But it's a verse that we need to hear. God made us just like we are. Our flaws, our imperfections, our blemishes, our disabilities... God gave them to us, or at the very least, listen, God allowed us to have them. This is what it says in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. God said, I formed you. I made you. And listen, God doesn't make mistakes. David said it this way in Psalm 139. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Ephesians 2.10 For we are God's masterpiece His work of art. And every time I look in the mirror I see my flaws. Every time I go back and I listen to a message I hear my flaws. And I have to remind myself 
that God made me just the way that I am. I am fearfully and wonderfully made, created in the image of God, created for his glory and his honor. It doesn't matter what anyone else says or thinks about me. All that matters is what my creator says. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, you are God's masterpiece. Do that. Now turn to the person on the other side of you and say, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Don't forget that. God made you. So what's holding you back? Second, we need to be reminded that God is with me. Verse 12 of chapter 3, God answered, I will be with you. Later on in chapter 4, verse 12, God said this. Don't go. I will be with you as you speak. I will instruct you in what to say. God will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Say that word never. Never. God will never leave us. I don't know about you, but that gives me great comfort in my weakest hour he is there in my most frightening moment. He is there when I am in the deepest pit. He is there. God is with me. God made me. God is with me. But then third, God will empower me. Listen to chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. <laughs> then the Lord asked Moses, what is that in your hand? Shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw it down. The staff and it turned into a snake, Moses jumped back, and so would you. Can you imagine? Moses is saying, I can't do it. I don't have ability. I don't have the resources. I can't. I can't. I can't. God says, what's that in your hand? Shepherd's staff is just a, just a piece of wood. Uh, I used to bring the sheep back and use it to keep it balanced as I'm walking on unlevel ground. Throw it on the ground. And he does, and it throws, it turns into a snake. Well, what does God say? God is saying that he can use what we have, whatever it is, to accomplish his purpose. You see, it's not about our abilities. It's not about our resources. It's about our willingness. Remember, God is the great I am. God is the one who is, who was, and who will be forever. God is the all-sufficient God. God is the one who created everything out of nothing. He is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. He is Jehovah Tishkenu, our righteousness. He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He is Jehovah Sabbath, our defender. And so much more. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about God. And God can use anyone. So don't think God can't use you in his plan to reach the world. God can use you, and he will use you, and understand he has already called you if you're a Christ follower. He may call some of you to be pastors and teachers. He may call others of you to be evangelists. He may call some of you to be a missionary. 
But God calls every single one of us to be a witness. So finally, Moses responded, and he went. In chapter 4, verse 20, it says this. So Moses took his wife, his sons, put them on a donkey, headed back to the land of Egypt. In his hand, he carried the staff of God. So here's Moses, this 80-year-old man, who heads back to Egypt to be used by God to deliver God's people out of slavery. Now, if you haven't read the book of Exodus, you would think Moses has been obedient. He's done what God has called him to do. Everything is going to be great, right? I mean, we respond to God's call. God says, just be obedient. Certainly, everything is going to go great. But notice what happens. Moses gets back. And this is what it says in chapter 5. The Israelite foreman could see that they were in serious trouble. Moses had gone and he had went to Pharaoh and said, God wants you to let my people go. Pharaoh got ticked. It says, as they left Pharaoh's court, they confronted Moses and Aaron who were waiting outside for them. The foreman said to them, may the Lord judge and punish you for making us stink before Pharaoh and his officials. You have put a sword into their hands, an excuse to kill us. Then Moses went back to the Lord and protested, why did you send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh as your spokesman, he has been even more brutal to your people. And you have done nothing to rescue them. There have been times that, that I've sat back and said, God, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you told me to witness to this person. And instead of giving their heart and life to Jesus, they become more defiant. There have been times where I feel like God has told us to do something that, that I feel like with all my heart he's going to use to bring lots of people into the kingdom and it seems like it flops and we ask why why I've, I've answered the call I've stepped out in faith I've got out of my comfort zone I've shared my story I've shared the gospel I've tried to be obedient and it doesn't seem like more people are coming to faith in Jesus it seems like people are getting more resistant why well it's not for us to answer the question why it's for us to trust and obey amen here's what we know the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel is the only power of God that brings salvation to people who believe. And our job is not to be consumed with the results. Our job is to be faithful in sharing the story and trusting God to work on our behalf. And as we continue the story, Guess what? God works on his behalf. And God will work on our behalf. It will be obedient. Here's what I know. God has called us as a people 
to share the gospel with everyone in our community. It's our responsibility. You say, Rocky, what about all the other Bible-believing churches in this community? Well, it's their responsibility, too. But it's our responsibility. I mean, we, we can't wait for anyone else to do anything. We are called to share the gospel. And praise God, if we as a church are faithfully sharing with everyone, and every other Bible-believing church is faithfully sharing with everyone, then people are going to hear the gospel countless times. Amen? And that's a great thing, isn't it? God's kingdom will be expanded. And we are called to plant churches all across our nation. And we are called to go to the four corners of the world sharing the good news of Jesus. We're called to do that. The only question is, will we? Would you bow your head? Would you close your eyes? Would you head bow? Would you eyes close? If you're here, you haven't given your life to Jesus, I want you to know this morning, that's what God is calling you to do. He wants you to become a part of his family. He wants to save you. And I want to encourage you in just a moment to give your life to Jesus. But for every Christ follower here, I want you to know that God has called you to be a part of his plan to redeem the world. And I'm going to challenge you to make a commitment this morning to, like Moses, be obedient to go. God has already said. Now, if you're here and you need to give your life to Jesus, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer right now. Dear God, I come to you this morning humbly asking you to forgive my sins. I know that I have failed you. I know that I have lived life my way. I don't want to live this, this way anymore, Lord. Please forgive me. Jesus, I know you died on the cross for me. Today, I'm trusting you to save me. Come into my life. Take control. Give me eternal life. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer.